Welcome to New Covenant Church. You are listening to this week's message with Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. Good morning, church. I'm so glad that you've joined us for worship this morning. We are so blessed to be able to worship with you and together and are thankful for the tools that God has blessed us with that gives us this opportunity to still worship together as a body of Christ during this Time, even though we all would so much prefer to be gathering in person, but we're prayerful uh, and believing that God uh, is going to make that possible again very soon. This morning we're continuing the Faith for Living series, and the big idea in this whole series is, is just that, that our faith, our faith in Jesus Christ is just that, a faith for living. It's a faith for our life. It affects our life every single day. Uh, if it doesn't, then we're we're really missing out on something, and and we don't fully understand uh, what Jesus Christ did for us uh, when He came and through His life and His death and His resurrection and the restoration of that relationship between us and the Father when we uh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and are saved and are literally brought from death to life. It changes everything. And so this series is focusing on those things uh, that it changes in our life, that it transforms. And we're going to start out this morning looking at a couple of the scriptures we looked last, at last week, just because they're so fundamental uh, to this message in the series and, and this faith for living that, that we have in our life. So look again with me at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. We read, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And again, we'll read 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. We read, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? And in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? This changes everything. Uh, the fact that Jesus, uh, through his death and resurrection, brought us from death to life, caused us to be born again and and then telling us how he is dwelling in us through his spirit. The spirit of God dwells in us and that Jesus Christ himself is in us. And then again in John 10, 10, Jesus himself said that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But he came, Jesus Christ came that we may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus came to give us life and life abundantly. That's a faith for living, a faith for today. And this morning we're going to look at how that faith for today impacts our life in prayer and peace. Before we get into that, though, I want to frame this discussion as it relates to the kingdom of heaven and how the kingdom of heaven is in our midst today, which goes right along with this idea that we have a faith for living, uh, that Jesus Christ came not just to give us a way to make it to heaven one day when we die, but a life uh, 
give us that abundant life that literally affects every day of our life here and now. This week in some of our daily talks, I reminded you of how both John the Baptist and Jesus Christ himself both proclaimed uh, for the people that heard their message to repent for the kingdom of heaven was at hand. They both called for the same thing. And it is true. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's present in each of us who follow Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And we just read that Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit literally dwell within us. We are born again to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading. And we are guarded through faith by God's power. That is fantastic news. It's the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. And our focus is on how this transformation from death to life and the indwelling of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit is for our living, for our life today. It is the good news that we can proclaim. We are living in the kingdom of God now. The kingdom of God is literally in our midst today. In Luke chapter 17, verse 20 through 21, when asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, this was Jesus's response. The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Jesus said the kingdom of God is in our midst now, today. It is here and now. And if Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, we are alive to that kingdom today. The challenge for us is that we walk in the kingdom and believe in his kingdom by faith, that it is in our midst now. Look at what Jesus said in verse 20. The kingdom of God isn't coming in ways that can be observed. But then he follows that with it's in our midst now. I want to be clear that Jesus is not saying that we won't see the power of God in our lives today, that we won't be set free, that we won't see miracles and healings. That's not what he meant by that statement, that it can't be observed. Those things were happening in that day, in that time. Jesus was performing miracles. He was casting out demons. He was doing those things. He even gave the same authority to his followers, to his disciples. And he said of us, the future believers, that in, in the future we would do greater things, greater miracles, greater healings than Jesus did himself. Because we would have the gift of the Holy Spirit that we just read moments ago dwells within us along with Christ Jesus himself. The point here is that even in the middle of the miraculous, even in the middle of, of seeing these kinds of wondrous works of God, we still have to take it by faith. We still have to understand that the kingdom is something that is taken by faith and faith alone. Jesus did miracles and he cast out demons and the Pharisees said they were done by the devil himself, that Jesus himself, they they accuse of being a surrogate of Satan, that he was doing it by the 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 powers of Satan. And he you can read that whole account in Matthew chapter 12. And the point of saying all that is that regardless of what happens or how it happens, uh, 
people are going to uh, reframe things and say it wasn't God or that's not God or, you know, that's the devil or that was just an accident or, uh, you know, it was just happenstance. It doesn't matter how miraculous something is that happens. Even if someone is healed right in front of our very eyes, there's going to be some that receive it as a miracle from God. And there's going to be others that just explain it away. And they may say they don't understand it, but they're not going to give God credit. They're not going to say that that's the kingdom of God in our midst. They're just going to say, well, that that just happened. We can't explain it, but but it wasn't God. And that's what Jesus meant by even when the kingdom of heaven is in our midst, even when things like this are playing right out in front of our very eyes, you still can't see it. God is still moving in an invisible way. Even when Jesus laid his hands on someone and healed them, they couldn't explain it. They couldn't understand it. And there was still people who explained it away and didn't believe it. So our Father God in heaven uh, does these things. He is doing these miracles through his rich love and mercy. And the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus Christ himself is dwelling within us. The Holy Spirit is dwelling within us. The kingdom is in our midst. But we have to accept it and receive it by faith. And I think uh, there's a great example, a parable that I want to share with you in Luke chapter 16. And I'm just going to summarize it, but if you would like to, you can read the whole story. But basically, there's a rich man who is not a follower of God and a very poor man uh, who loves the Lord and serves the Lord, but he's uh, destitute and homeless. And he sat at the rich man's gate. And it said that, you know, he just longed to, to even eat the crumbs from the rich man's table. But the rich man never showed him any uh any love or kindness uh, or shared any of his wealth with him. And uh, both men die. And the, the poor man, Lazarus, goes to heaven. It says he's sitting at Abraham's feet. And uh, the rich man uh, is, is judged and goes to hell. But it, in Jesus' parable, he can see what's going on in heaven. And Abraham says there's this uh, uh, division between the two where they can't cross because uh, the wealthy man or the man who was wealthy on earth is asking uh, if if Abraham would send Lazarus to even dip his finger in water just that he might be relieved for just even a moment. And Abraham saying, no, I'm sorry, that's not possible. And then the rich man uh, asks another favor. He says, well, if there's nothing that can be done for me, at least send Lazarus back from the dead uh, so that he can tell my brothers about this place and about uh, the, the Lord and that they might repent and come to him, that they don't come to this place that I'm in. And it's amazing what Jesus says uh, and that that. Abraham says in this parable, as Jesus is telling this story, Abraham's response is, if they will not believe Moses and the prophets, they won't believe even if someone were to come back from the dead. Even that type of miracle, he's saying, if they won't believe on their own from from the prophets and the word of God, uh, the, the law of Moses that's been delivered. And for us, it would be saying if we won't believe the entire Bible and those proclaiming the word of God today, that even if someone were to come back from the dead, we wouldn't believe that uh, either. Humanity's capacity to explain miracles away is really astounding. It's mind boggling, at least to me. 
And it's almost humorous that Jesus was sharing this parable uh, in this way because he was going to literally come back from the dead. And guess what? There was people who didn't believe it. There was people who wouldn't believe a man who had died was raised from the dead. And not just us believing by faith because this happened so many years ago, but literally men and women who are alive in that day, who saw Jesus uh, alive, who saw him beaten, who saw him go to the cross and then uh, be buried and then resurrected from the dead and seeing him standing before their eyes, there was still people who did not believe and would not believe that Jesus had come back from the dead and that he was the son of God. And that's what uh, that parable was, was outlining, that no matter what happens, no matter how miraculous of an event we see before our eyes, our eyes uh, we still have to accept the kingdom of heaven by faith. We have to accept what God does in our midst, the miraculous, by faith. The amazing, uh, every, every miracle from physical healings and spiritual healings, the amazing miracle of life, the stars in the heavens, the waves in the ocean, to the amazing and miraculous restoration of our relationship to the Father through Jesus Christ himself. Each of these miraculous things have to be accepted by faith. And each of those things are explained away by so many as mere coincidence or an accident or something that didn't really happen. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is in our midst today. But even its most miraculous expressions must be accepted by faith. And that's what Jesus was talking about when he said that the kingdom is in our midst, but, but we're not going to see it. It can't be observed. And that sets up the groundwork for the main point of this message. And uh, another example of how we can see that our faith is a faith for living. And we're going to see that in uh, prayer and peace. Last week, we looked at our faith for living uh, as it allows us to pray in any and every circumstance because of the indwelling Jesus Christ in us, because of the Holy Spirit in us. We can pray and give God praise in any and every circumstance. And now, through Jesus Christ and through that life and that living faith, we can have a peace that's beyond understanding through prayer. So first things first, uh, if we're going to have that peace through prayer, we actually have to spend time in prayer. It sounds obvious, but so many of us, it, it, it's so easy to neglect that simple step. And Jesus himself was the greatest example of this. Luke 5, chapter 16 says that Jesus frequently withdrew to the wilderness to pray. And in Luke 22, 39 through 40, it says that it was Jesus's regular custom, his regular habit to go away alone in prayer. And there are many, many, many more verses uh, regarding Jesus and his prayer life. He gave us the perfect example of a life of prayer. And the second thing is that we can have peace. God's peace that surpasses understanding. And we're going to look at a passage on this. And then we're going to look at an example of Jesus and the disciples uh, walking in prayer and peace and the difference between the two. So first of all, let's look at Philippians chapter four, verses six through seven. 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This verse is a kingdom in our midst principle. When we take everything to God in prayer, the peace of God, God's peace, it's his, our heavenly father himself possesses this peace and this peace, which surpasses all understanding. He will give it to us and it will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus when we go to him in prayer. So today we can walk this out. We can walk this out in our day to day life and it can be a witness and a testimony to everyone that we encounter that we are living in the kingdom of heaven, that his kingdom is in our midst, that Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit indwell in us and give us this peace, that that peace of God the Father himself is guarding our heart and our mind in Christ Jesus. And now let's look at the example uh, of this playing out in in Jesus and the disciples, uh, literally in their day-to-day life. In Mark chapter 14, verse 27 through 31, Jesus said to his disciples, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. This is a prophecy from Zechariah chapter 13, verse 7. And then Jesus goes on, But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. So Jesus was saying that he was going uh, to be struck down and all of the disciples were going to be scattered. And the disciples denied it. They said, no, we're and, you know, Peter uh, gave the most emphatic uh, answer that no matter what, he would not fall away, even if everybody else did. And all the all the other disciples chimed in and said the same thing. No, Lord, we won't. We won't go away either. And now let's look at what happens in Mark chapter 14, verse 32 through 42. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping for their eyes were very heavy and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hand of sinners. 
Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. So what I want us to see in this passage is two things. First of all, you could look at this and see or think that that Jesus didn't have it together, that he was really falling apart. It says he says, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. And it appears um, well, it doesn't just appear. He's literally in deep anguish in Luke chapter 22 Verse 44, Jesus is being described as in great anguish and literally sweating drops of blood because of the turmoil and the pressure and the stress that he was under at this moment because he knew what was coming. He was uh, praying, we just read, that that this cup would pass if there was any other way that the Father would uh, make a way. But yet he prayed, Father, if this is your will, let your will be done. And I just want to contrast these two different uh, demeanors between Jesus and the disciples, because from a, a natural perspective, from a human perspective, we could look at, at this story and say, well, who is at peace in the story? Well, the disciples were at peace. They were at so much peace, they could sleep. So Jesus was calling them to pray with him and watch with him in this time of great distress, of great anguish that he was going through because he knew what was coming. And they were at peace, but they were in a peace because of ignorance, not a peace from God. Here, the son of God himself was calling them to pray with him, to seek the father with him and to strengthen themselves in prayer. Uh, for this time that they were about to go through, but they slept. And so from our perspective, we could say, well, Jesus was the one uh, at this moment without peace. The one with peace was the disciples. They, they were at so much peace, they were able to sleep. But that's not what was really happening. In the natural, it may have looked that way, but in the spiritual realm, uh, the disciples were setting themselves up for failure and destruction. And Jesus was setting himself up to have the strength and the resolve to go through and to walk through what he knew was before him. So he called them to pray. And that is what uh, we're talking about this morning and how there's a difference in our life uh, through prayer that we read in Philippians for us to not be anxious about anything. But in everything, we come to the Lord in supplication and thanksgiving to let our requests be made known to God. And in that prayer, in that giving everything over to him, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our heart and our mind in Christ Jesus. And so that's what happened. Jesus had already told the disciples what was going to happen. He said, I'm going to be struck down and you're all going to scatter. And they said, no, no, we're not. And then they went and slept while Jesus went to the father in prayer. And then when the the trial came and Jesus actually had to walk through those things, he had the resolve. He had the strength. The father himself guarded Jesus's heart and his mind so that he could walk through what he had to walk through. But the only reason he was able to do that was because he had gone to the father in prayer. He made his request known to the father. He took everything to him and laid it at his feet. And then he prayed those key words, not my will, father, but yours be done. And that's what we're called to as believers. That's how this peace uh, in prayer can be 
in our life today and transform our life today. We can take everything to the Lord in prayer. There's a scripture, a prophetic word in Isaiah 53, 7 that talks about uh, how Jesus ended up walking through this. And this this is prophesying what happened after he prayed. It says he was oppressed. Jesus Christ was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. And as you read through the gospel accounts of, of Jesus's trial and crucifixion, for much of it, he's silent. And they were just got so upset at him because he would not answer the charges. But he did speak in certain places, but they were very key points and key places. And he was only speaking the words that the Father in heaven gave him to say. But in, in so many other areas during that time, he just kept silent, just like Isaiah 53 said uh, he would. But the only reason he was able to do that and walk through that in that manner is because he had gone to the Father in prayer. And that the Father himself guarded his heart and his mind with the peace of the Father that is beyond comprehension, that is beyond understanding. And that is what he calls us to do. That's the example that Jesus Christ gave to us, uh, that he gave to his disciples. And he called them. He said, pray, you need this strength. Come to, to the Father in prayer. Come to me in prayer. And that's the same call that we have today, that to live out this life, that this kingdom life, this principle of the kingdom being in our midst, that Jesus Christ is in us, that the Holy Spirit is in us, that he has taken us literally from death to life to a life for today, an abundant life for today, that we can live as an example of the kingdom being in the midst of everyone that we encounter. And again, I remind you, that doesn't mean that they're going to receive it. It doesn't mean that they're going to acknowledge it because everyone who acknowledges that the kingdom is at hand, that it's in our midst, that the things that are at work around us are by God's hand and by his power and his strength and that he is seated on the throne and that everything that we see was made by him. All of that has to be taken by faith. And that's never going to change. Not until he comes back uh, in, in physical form when he returns. Until that day, it must be accepted by faith. We have to accept that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That God is at work and he is moving. And in that kingdom for us to operate, he calls us to prayer. And in that prayer, when we take everything to him, he will give us peace. A peace that is beyond understanding. A peace that is God's peace. His own peace that he possesses. He will give that peace to us that we might possess it. And through Jesus Christ, it will guard our mind and our heart. And that will be a testimony of us living out our faith. Our faith for living today. Will you bow with me as we close in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you, uh, Heavenly Father, that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, uh, to give us life, to give us an abundant life, that you've made every provision, every way for everything uh, that we will encounter, Lord, and that, that you are in our midst. Your kingdom is in our midst. Uh, we can have your peace. We can uh, have your strength. 
You will guard our heart and our mind, not only in what we are in today, but in each and every circumstance throughout the rest of our life that you have given us, that we might live an abundant life as we serve our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, I pray. I pray that each one of us will seek you diligently, that every believer, uh, not only in the United States, but throughout the world, every believer will seek you in earnest prayer, Lord, for strength, for guidance, for peace, for understanding, Lord, and, and most of all, that we would ask, just like Jesus did, not our will be done, but your will be done. Lord, we pray as Jesus taught us to pray that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is our prayer today. And that is our prayer for all eternity, that your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 